You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Packernet Podcast. I don't have intro music, so this is going to be kind of weird and uncomfortable, and I apologize for that. So, so how you doing? How's Thanksgiving? That's great. Anyways, today on the Packernet Podcast, we're taking our first look at the Chicago Bears. I think, and I mentioned this before coming into this game, you've got two fan bases that aren't feeling super great. Packer fans obviously feel better than Bears fans do, but um, I think if, if Packer fans are being honest, there's, there's, uh, there's reason to be concerned on both sides of the ball. Bears fans, at least I've gathered, are concerned because they just have no faith in their team. They've completely given up. They're completely uh, distressed about their quarterback situation. They're furious that they're unable to run the ball. Their offensive line is no good. And they're completely crushed that a team that started off um, undefeated through the, at least the first three games before they got a loss, but then went on to be 5-1, and one, have fallen four in a row um, before going to their bye week. So I think they're just completely broken as a fan base. They've given up. Um, but as an outsider looking in, as glad as I am to see all that, they lost to the Rams. Uh, well, their first loss came to the Colts, which is a very good team that we lost to. Second loss came to the Rams, which is, you know, in contention for best team in the NFC. Then they played the Saints, who are playing fantastic football right now, and that was in overtime. Then they lost to the Tennessee Titans, another very, very good football team that we're about to play soon. And then they lost to the Vikings, which is a team that we just recently lost to, a team that can be very ferocious at times. And every single one of these, I think with the exception of the uh, Rams game where they lost by 14 points, uh, has been pretty close. The Colts game was an 8-point loss. That was 11-19. to 19. Otherwise, they lost to the Saints in overtime. As I said, it was a field goal. They lost to the Tennessee Titans 17-24. to 24. They lost to the Vikings 13-19. to 19. So it's not exactly one-point losses, but one score. And so they've had a week to kind of recoup. And again, so from my perspective, as beaten and broken as I know the fan base is, um, they went through a gauntlet and just came out not ahead. Now they're going up against the Packers, which technically is still part of a gauntlet. But from our perspective, we all know that the teams that the Packers struggle against are the ones that have stiff defenses that are able to get the Packers' offense out of what it is they like to do best, or just out of anything, where they just completely crumble. If I were to make that more concise, double Devonte and don't let us run the ball, right? Get a little bit of pressure, just attack, whether that's attacking the running back or attacking Aaron Rodgers, and it's it's kind of just game over at that point, at least from what we've seen. Not that there haven't been some valiant fights like against the Colts, but at the end of the day, we lose. So again, it's it's concerning. This is a top-tier defense. They're sixth in points, ninth in yards. They're the number one defense in third-down conversions. Hilariously, they're dead last uh, offensively in third-down conversions, so that's uh, pretty interesting. They're also the number one defense in the red zone. So, I mean, it's just it's a, it's a ridiculously stiff defense. 
And again, the Packers are all about rhythm. It's all about like just putting together that real good drive where you're getting those first downs and you're able to run the ball, you're able to pass the ball. It's, it's like as though everything's either working or nothing's working. And with the Bears' defense, saying everything's going to work is is very unlikely. You know, and, and staying out of third down because they're the hardest defense to convert on third. I mean, come on, that's not going to happen. We're going to be in third downs. We're going to have to try to convert. We're going to get in the red zone. We're going to have to get into the end zone. End zone. And so from my perspective, this is a, it's a big test for the offense because there's only two ways we win this game. Number one, we do what we did to the Colts and just massively overperform, put up a ton of points despite the Bears having a really good defense and just ride this thing out. Because I don't think their offense has any ability. I know everybody's upset with their defense, and rightly so. But the fact of the matter is, this is this is a joke of an offense. And there's really, I mean, the, the, the Colts are, were not a, an elite offense, but the Colts are heads and tails better than the Bears' offense. So that's one way. The more realistic way that the Packers are going to have to win is to break character. To be better mentally. Which is to say, when things aren't going well, keep battling. Adjust. It's, it's a thing that's possible. I don't know if they're aware of that, but you can adjust in a football game. Make some different decisions. You don't have to get worse throughout a game. You can improve. You can make changes and get better. If you are missing blocks, you can start making blocks. And I really think that's going to be the biggest thing. I think it's going to be... Um, and I, and I, don't, I don't expect the Bears to be completely there mentally. I'm sure they're completely broken as a football team as well. But it really it, it, it's largely going to come down to who's going to hang in there the longest. The Bears' offense is terrible, and so they're likely going to struggle. Are they going to be able to hang in there and keep trying? And it's the same for the Packers' offense, and the problem that scares me is I know the Packers aren't very good at that. When things go south, they just go south. And um, so I don't expect this to be a walk in the park. I mean, there is that possibility that, again, the Packers just come out and absolutely stomp out this team. We, We saw it last week. Which, again, I don't want to understate how incredible that was, and I don't want to understate how... How excited I am to hear Aaron Rodgers say, look, something, a, a switch flipped, because I think we saw it against the Colts. And again, we're, we're not giving them enough credit for how amazing 28 points against one of the top defenses in football is in one half. Nobody has done that all year. Nobody. Packers offense did. But again, and, and, and it's not just, we know what the offense can do. So I, it's almost as if, if they come out and just put up 28 points in the first half and coast and end up winning, you know, 21 to 28 because they didn't put up a single point in the second half or, or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. The, the point is, I almost don't want to see that as much as it would be great to just have the offense come out and dominate and say, ha ha, we're so much better. What we need as a football team to win it, to win a Super Bowl is a team that has the ability to overcome. We saw it more in 2019 than we're seeing in 2020. Because we had a much better defense. So if the offense was falling apart, the defense would rally. And then the offense a lot of times would, would muster up enough to get back up and score the necessary points. We don't really see that this year. Either it's going real well or it ain't. So as much as everybody would probably complain and moan and groan about a close game with the Bears, seeing a team struggle, for example, in the first half and come back and, and, and fight in the third and fourth quarters and win the football game would kind of show what it takes to be a, a playoff caliber team. And I'm not going to complain about a, an, an annihilation, but at some point it would just be nice to know that they have it in them. Because you have to assume when you get into the playoffs, it's not going to be quite so easy. You're going to face good defenses that aren't, you know, 32nd ranked offenses. Anyways, that's just sort of the, the general view that I have of this this game overall and and, and again I'm, what I'm trying to do 
right now is have more of a big picture view of thing. The individual games mean much less to me. I want to know that this team is growing and progressing in a way that points to... Again, and I don't know if I... I didn't even come up with this analogy. I did come up with the analogy. I didn't say the analogy. I kind of alluded to it, but I, I improved it. Let's say that. I see winning the Super Bowl as sort of like a game of war. You ever played war? I used to play that a lot when I was a little kid because it's, it's great for little kids because it's super simple. You get basically half the deck, you and somebody else, and you flip over a card, and whatever card is higher, you take that card, put it in your pile. You basically keep playing until you wipe somebody out or, or until all the cards are gone, and then you see who has more cards. In my opinion, winning the Super Bowl is its always up to chance. Always. But you want to have the best deck possible. Nobody has all aces or whatever, kings, or I don't know if aces are high or low, it doesn't matter. But it's about getting the best deck possible. At the end of the day, the, the person with the most the best deck can lose, depending on how the cards fall. Right? It's just about flipping a card. I mean, you know, maybe you can't really lose if you have the best deck and uh, you play a whole game of war, but I'm, I'm talking about flipping a card. Right? The Chiefs maybe don't even have a two in their deck. They're not going to flip a two. But not every card is a king. They might have a ten, and the other team has jacks and queens and kings. And on any given day, any given flip, they can win. They can beat that team. So what I'm really looking for, because again, I'm uh, granted I just showed you an example of the 2002 uh, Saints that missed the playoffs despite being right where the Packers are. Assuming they're going to win, I just want them to build up the deck that they have in their hand. Because right now they got a bunch of fours and fives, and, 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 and that's true based on a lot of different factors, right? It's an analogy, but it encompasses a lot of things. It's players, right? Kenny Clark right now, for example, is like a, a, a an eight. But he has king potential. Every week I want to see that move up, 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 so that when we flip that card, or when we analyze the deck, the Kenny Clark card is a king card and not an eight or a four. You want Jair to maintain. It's just you just constantly stack in the deck. But then on top of that is the mentality. It's the coaching. It's the decisions. It's the health, right? I mean, you just we're removing cards from the deck at that point if uh, health is an issue. So that's the biggest thing as we come to the conclusion as we get into December, the final stretch of this thing. I want to analyze the deck and just see that it got better. So, anyways, as always, links in the description if you'd like to call or text any questions, comments, concerns. Plenty of ways to support the podcast. Uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy you can donate as little as a dollar a month to get in and uh, support the the efforts of the show and whatnot a couple little perks here and there but why don't we take a break here and then we'll get a little bit more into the meat and potatoes of the chicago bears team we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so u.s cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited. 
about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So first of all, just taking a look at uh, some little couple PFF things here. Um, they have the what they call the ELO ranking. They have the Packers as the seventh best team in football. The Bears are 20th. The offensive rank, they have the Packers 4th, the Bears 27th, and defensive rank might surprise some of you. The Bears are 5th, the Packers are 12th, so there's not that big of a gap there as you might expect. Not as big as, for example, 4th and 20th, or overall 7th and 20th. Or what was their offense again? It was 27th, 27th. Getting caught up a little bit on the injuries, um, Artie Burns, Darian Clark, Tariq Cohen, James Daniels, Eddie Goldman... Uh, Dwayne Harris, let's see who we got here, I believe Michael Joseph, Jordan Lucas, Eddie Pinheiro, the kicker, Trey Roberson, uh, Roy Robertson Harris, I believe are all currently on IR. And as far as injuries today, uh, not related to IR, Nick Foles obviously not expected to play. Um, you got uh, Mitch Trubisky coming back because of a hip injury to Nick Foles. Um, Akeem Hicks still not practicing. It's not 100%. He's not going to be out. But again, Bears fans not feeling good about that. Um, not just because, um, not just because he's a good player, but because they're feeling like he probably isn't going to be back. Uh, Danny Trevathan, the linebacker, didn't practice Wednesday. That was for personal issues. He did come back Thursday, so he should be good to go. The other thing that popped up that's a pretty big deal is Charles Leno, the left tackle, didn't practice Thursday due to a toe injury. I don't know exactly what the situation is there, but as bad as things have gotten for their offensive line, um, it looks like their running back, David Montgomery, is going to be good to go. He did have a concussion, missed week 10, so the last time they were out there it was without him. So they've been having a hard time getting that running game going. If they lose Charles Leno when their offensive line is already pretty beat up, I mentioned a couple of guys that were on IR, as well as some retirements and everything else. The offensive line I've talked about before has started to regress in a pretty spectacular fashion. That would be kind of a big deal. Everybody else was full participation, though. They've got a pretty solid list here. But uh, Nick Foles, we already know, is not going to play. There's only two other guys, but they're again, they're real big names. Akeem Hicks and Charles Leno, that's no joke. For the Packers' side, we did not have Devontae practice at all, which of course is extremely depressing. For Thursday's practice, Josh Jackson and Mercedes Lewis were the three guys that did not participate. Uh, does not say that it was veteran rest for Mercedes. It was a knee injury, so he was limited on Wednesday. Did not practice on Thursday. I don't know, maybe they're just letting some of these guys rest a little bit extra, but um, not good to see Devontae just completely out for Thursday. But anyways, why don't we start with the quarterback, because this is kind of an interesting thing here as far as who would we rather see. Um, my contention was that Nick Foles would be a great addition to the Chicago Bears. Um, he wasn't great last year, but I just felt like 
what the Bears needed and what Mitch Trubisky both, or excuse me, Nick Foles both needed was a quarterback that could just do a simple job. Nick Foles really just needed a team that just wanted a plug-and-play distributor of the football. Um, the ja- I, I mentioned the Bears are following the exact same path the Jaguars are on in that if they had gotten him just a year earlier, maybe two years, uh, this would have been a real good pickup. But Nick Foles has had a real bad couple years and just has not been able to put together what he did with the Eagles. And, and maybe it's just being on different teams. You know, the Jaguars aren't exactly the Eagles. You would have thought the Bears were because it's a similar you know, style of football. They, they came from the same coaching tree, but it's just not panning out at all. I say all that to say I don't know that I'm not more scared of Mitch Trubisky than Nick Foles. He, he definitely can do more with his legs. He's one of the better running quarterbacks in the NFL as far as the grade that he still currently has. And as a thrower, he really didn't grade out all that much worse. I think the, the biggest difference, I mean, they're, they're complete opposite quarterbacks. On one hand, you got the Nick Foles who likes to sort of, I don't want to say dink and dunk because Mitch Trubisky does that too, but he's just, he's just better at that. Mitch Trubisky, you get more big plays. They still love to dink and dunk because that's the style of their offense. It's just he's not as good at making those simple decisions, but he is very good, surprisingly, at, at some of these real deep throws down the sideline. So again, he, he's not good. It's just if, if things are going to get out of hand, it's more likely to happen with Mitch Trubisky than Nick Foles, I think, although much higher probability of things going really bad for the Bears also. It's, it's very high risk, high reward with Mitch Trubisky. David Montgomery, the running back, um, seems to be stepping up a little bit. I, he was probably my favorite running back coming out of the draft. He fell a lot further than I thought he would, which just made me assume that I was just wrong about him as a football player. He didn't have a great game against Tennessee, but he's definitely taken a step if you look at, for example, his overall grade. I think the bigger issue, at least from PFF's perspective, and I think a lot of Bears fans would agree with this, is again the offensive line not doing a very good job giving him anywhere to go. He's right now averaging only 3.6 yards per attempt, which is nothing super special. Uh, Bears fans tend to think if, you know, the mantra, I think, right now is that if we're ever going to get this thing going, it's going to be against the Packers' defense, which, again, I think is slightly overstated. Uh, The Packers do not have the worst rushing defense in football. In fact, there's uh, close to a dozen defenses that are worse. But we do know that things can get out of hand, and if they don't control it, then, you know, it's not going to be great. But I, 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 again, I've seen better tenacity, more aggression, and I think if they could get a little bit of help from Mike Pettin putting the right personnel in to actually stop the run, they could do a really good job of bottling this up. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to do that, whether or not, first of all, the defense is going to choose to show up and stop it, or just have a bad day and, and not be very assignment sure, you know, not get in their gaps. That's where you love a guy like Kamal Martin, who's not going to mess around. He's not going to stand back and wait for the running back to come through the gap. He's going to attack it. And then again, whether or not Pettin wants to bring in another linebacker, I, they, they may not. In fact, I, I would almost bet there's there's no chance when you look at the fact that this is the third highest passing team in football, which is baffling to me. As bad as the quarterback play has been, um, it just seems like... <sighs> See, as just a football fan, it frustrates me. And I, I, I like that I have this ability as much as it might upset Packer fans, but the ability to separate myself as a Packer fan and a Bears hater, I guess... And really just say, man, I would love to get the opportunity to fix this team because it looks so painfully obvious to me for the Bears to embrace their defense and go out and really build up this offensive line. You got a great running back. Granted, you gave away all your draft picks because Ryan Pace is a dummy. 
but build up this offensive line. Stop going out in free agency and getting wide receivers. You've got one of the premier wide receivers in football. Allen Robinson's a great wide receiver. You got Nick Foles who can do whatever it is he can do. I don't know. You did the best you could at fixing that position, but there's no fixing it. Get the offensive line going. Become bullies like you are on defense. Push people around. Dra- completely drain defenses. Force them to stack boxes against you. And then you can get the pass game going. Instead, you get these subpar quarterbacks. You got one wide receiver and nothing else. And you're going to pass more than almost every team in football? That's ludicrous. They are third in passing attempts, 31st in rushing attempts. They run less than just about anybody in football. And granted, if it's not working, it's not working fine. But jeez. 31st in rushing attempts, 32nd in rushing yards, 32nd in rushing touchdowns, only two rushing touchdowns on the year, 31st in yards per attempt at 3.6. So, David Montgomery's talented. I like him. I like him as a football player, um, but they're, they're just they're not making this thing work. Uh, the only decent game he's had recently was against New Orleans, 4.2 yards per attempt. He got 89 total yards, which is the most total yards he's gotten all season. He's only had one rushing touchdown all year. That was week five against Tampa Bay. So, again, it's a, it's a great opportunity for them to do something, but they're squandering it. So you're looking at a team that wants to just throw, throw, throw against a defense that loves to just play coverage. So we'll see which, which team decides to actually change things up because you're playing right into Petten's hand. And it's not that hard to, to beat Mike Pettin because he just adjusts to their weaknesses and, and Mike Pettin won't adjust. He'll just stay where he's at. But if the Bears aren't willing to adjust and if they're not willing to change things up and they're just going to play into Pettin's hand and say, you know what, we're just going to drop back and throw, cool. <laughs> I'll take it. Especially if your plan is with Trubisky to, to take deep shots all the time because that's one of the things he kind of excels at. And it's one of the things that... Uh, I mean, granted, he's he's got a lot of bad deep throws as well, but it, in terms of one thing that he can do that, that not necessarily everybody else can do, again, you're playing into Pettin's hand because that's the only thing he wants to take away is deep throws. So the Bears have to smarten up and uh, change their strategy if they're going to beat the Packers offensively. And if you look at the wide receivers, uh, there's only one that's worth anything. Anthony Miller has never taken that step. The Bears fans thought he would. They've been excited about him. Um, their slot guy, and it's just, it's not happening. Darnell Mooney has been impressive in some capacity, um, but he's currently ranked 90th out of 121 wide receivers. When you look at the, the complete, not to rile up Packer fans, but if you look at rookies, rookies, as I've said a thousand times, generally don't do a very good job, but there's a big pile of wide receiver rookies that are all doing quite well. So the Bears maybe have something in Darnell Mooney, but there's definitely were some better options in the draft. Again, not terrible, and I think he does some great things on special teams, which is one of the things the Bears have a distinct advantage is special teams. But really, it just comes down to Allen Robinson, and if Jair Alexander is going to be matched up against him for a large portion of the day and can continue doing what he's done for most of the year and just not allow it to get away from him, I'm not saying completely shut him out like you did Calvin Ridley or anything. I'm just saying, I mean, if he has two catches for 40 yards that's great. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't care if he gets a couple decent chunks. As long as he doesn't have 140 yards receiving and two touchdowns, we're fine. Obviously, there's a lot of green grass in between those two scenarios, but you get what I'm saying. He's their only real weapon. Just take him out of the equation. I mentioned the offensive line. It's basically just a putrid, horrific, terrible offensive line, with the exception of their left tackle, Charles Leno, who's actually 40th out of 77 tackles. So he's not even all that great, but he's he's got... 69.3, he's almost good, and he's so much better than everybody else. I mean, listen, it's another 
another real good opportunity for the Green Bay Packers to attack Mitch Trubisky, and I think they need to. It's a bad offensive line. You can bring not just your front four, four and win. Mike, I, the, the Mike Pettin and Mike McCarthy parallels are really becoming apparent. I've highlighted a couple, but the other area is I expect my guys to just win. Listen, I'm, I have no doubt Kenny Clark and Zadarius and Rashawn um, can beat these guys, but it's not going to kill you to bring a fifth guy. It's not going to kill you to bring something in just to confuse this offensive line, get them tripping over their own feet, and just keep attacking Mitch Trubisky, which is going to be great because the guy's not a very good quarterback, right? I mean, if you start bringing extra pressure on a guy like Tom Brady or whatever, you kind of put yourself in a bind to where, geez, if you, if you don't get to him within two seconds, it could actually hurt you because now you got less guys in coverage. That kind of makes me nervous. But against a guy like Trubisky, I mean, he's just so volatile. He's going to get scared. He's going to start seeing footsteps. He's going to start scrambling, throwing errant passes, get in the guy's head and just stay in there, stay in his head, just live there. I would love the opportunity to just wreck this, and, and, and the opportunity is there. I mean, if Charles Leno doesn't play, and I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. It, again, it's a toe injury. He didn't practice on Thursday, yesterday. The, I mean, jeez. this is I, I, It's hard to describe how terrible this offensive line is, but it's it's got to be one of the worst. And then at tight end, just to give you a, a better idea, and I know they have guys like Cole Komet or whatever, but you've got Jimmy Graham. You expect Jimmy Graham to help chip block or, or any kind of what, – what's he going to do? We know he can't block. He going to block, help block up Zadarius? Get out of my face. So in my mind, it's, it's real simple, and we're going to do to them what teams like to do to us. We're going to take away your number one wide receiver, which fortunately in our case, we have such a good corner, we don't even necessarily have to double Robinson. So it's a one-on-one matchup. We're going to put Jair over there on Robinson. We're going to take him out of the equation. They've got a bunch of other wide receivers that are not doing a very good job, and I trust our guys to handle that. They have a real hard time running the ball, and it's going to be even harder because we're bringing extra pressure. We're bringing it all the time. We're going to keep the heat on Trubisky, we're going to keep wrecking this offensive line, and we're going to force you to make really good throws in really tight windows under a lot of pressure. And that's going to be what you're going to have to do all the time. And you know what? He's going to get a couple decent chunks. There are going to be some times where we can't get home and there's going to be a guy open. I'm willing to take that chance. Now, I don't know if if our defensive coordinator is, because in his mind, this is such a bad offense. Let him, you know, continue to move down the field a little bit, little bit, little bit. Eventually, we'll get him off the field. I don't want to play that way. But that's kind of where it stands, and again, uh, tight end-wise, the only thing I haven't really touched on, uh, Jimmy Graham, 60th out of 70 tight ends, not doing a very good job. Cole Komet is their highest-graded tight end, but he's not grading out very well, 30th out of 70, and he also happens to be a putrid pass blocker. So again, they're just not getting any help anywhere. By the way, if Leno doesn't play, there's a real good chance that what we're going to see is Jason Spriggs just to give you an idea of how bad things are going. By the way, Jason Spriggs right now, although he has a very limited uh, sample size, his pass blocking grade is a 12. It's a 12. So, again, just giving you an idea how bad this is for them. Defensively, and again, I mentioned this when I did the interviews, it all comes down to Khalil Mack. He's graded out as the second best pass rusher in all of football right now. He's he's a freak. He's always been a freak. He'll always be a freak. He had a down year a little bit last year. He's gotten that back under control. Um, Akeem Hicks is, I don't know, man. I mean, he's, he's a decent pass rusher. I've always said he's a little bit overrated outside of the 2018 season when everybody played way above their, their station. Um He's graded out 61st out of 126. Now, again, same thing I said about Trevathan a couple days ago. Um, A defense gets to be this good because they work really well as a unit, right? They don't miss a lot of tackles. They do their job. They stay in their gaps. And, uh, you know, if you lose a guy like Akeem Hicks, it's probably going to mess that up a little bit. 
But here, and I don't want to give false hope because the defense is good for a reason. But let me just go through some of the the grades and the rankings that are on this defense. I mentioned Khalil Mack. Um, the rest of their defensive line, 18th out of 126. That is a man by the name of Mr. Brent Urban. He's a fourth-round pick from 2014. He's not a very good football player, but he's very volatile. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. This is a good year for him. Blal Nichols, 52 out of 126. Akeem Hicks, 61st out of 126. Um, Robert Quinn, the other edge rusher, 43rd. Uh, Johnson and Fuller, the two corners, are ranked 36th and one, and 82nd. The linebackers, Trevathan and Smith, ranked 59th and 23rd out of 87. And then the safety that they have, that's actually somewhat ranked because he's played a decent amount, Tashawn Gibson, 63rd out of 89. So there's no real... There aren't very many individuals that are doing a very good job outside of arguably the best pass rusher in football. So, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, and sorry for the stomping upstairs. I told them to cool it, but I've been down here for so long, you can only tell the kids to stop running for so long. Plus, my aunt and cousins arrived for uh, Swedish pancakes, so, you know, kids, when family shows up, you know how it is. But I I think the, the main point here is... Regard, you know, if we want to say PFF is stupid, that's fine. But I don't think there's anybody here outside of Khalil Mack that is just, you look at it and say they can't be beat, right? Roquan is a really talented athlete, and I actually like their linebackers, and I like what they do. Despite never having good PFF grades, they, they just, they do what I want the Packers linebackers to do, and that's just constantly attack downhill. And it's going to be hard to, to run against this defense. It's going to be hard to reach guys like Roquan who are really fast and really athletic. But I don't know that there's anybody that we can't necessarily go after. For example, Danny Trevathan. If we can get ourselves into a position where he has to drop and cover, that's fantastic. Kyle Fuller. Even if you want to disagree and say, no, Kyle Fuller is one of the premier corners, BFF is stupid, fine. But what about the guy on the other side? Do you even know his name? Do you know who Jalen Johnson is? Because I don't. <laughs> so, look, they're a very disciplined, they're a very aggressive defense, and they're going to keep coming, and it's not going to be an easy challenge. But I think a really good offense is going to... And I think I said this about the Colts. They don't have enough premier weapons at every level to be able to handle an offense that can create matchups in their favor. Does that make sense? If you have enough weapons at enough places, for example, running back, tight end, wide receiver, that can force matchups that are not desirable to the Bears, for example, Trevathan on a running back or something, you can beat the defense, but you have to have enough weapons. Enough people have to show up. Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams hopefully is playing, uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Jay Sternberger, Robert Tanyan. These these guys can show up. There's too many guys for this Bears defense to be able to handle. Um, and then I, I guess the final note is, is this is the first really big match for Billy Turner. Um, I've been skeptical. I know a lot of Packer fans are kind of doing the ha-ha happy dance of shame on you for saying Billy Turner's not all that great. I've been saying it's, a, you know, we need to wait and see what happens when he goes up against a really good pass rusher. If he can hold off Khalil Mack, cool. Then great. Then let's just lock him up and we'll call him the future right tackle uh, in the NFL. But um, I don't see that happening, and I'm very concerned about it. So anyways, I'm going to, it's not as complete as I'd like it to be, but I do need to get going. So you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.